I'm your host, Brendan Bennett, and this episode, our nerds will delve deeply to discover the disturbing depths of dungeons and dragons <laughs> and dungeons and dragons. I will be testing their intelligence, wisdom, charisma, verbal dexterity, <laughs> and their strength of character. Let's meet our four bold adventurers. Uh, adventurers, I would like you to introduce yourselves and tell the audience if you could have any Dungeons and Dragons magical item from the handbook. What would you have if you could have it in real life? Great. Kia ora, everyone. I'm James. Now, in Xenathar's Guide to Everything, they brought out uh, magical items which were common. And I would want the Cloak of Billowing. And I'll just read to you what it does, and you'll know why. A Cloak of Billowing is a cloak that can be used to billow, thus make the wearer look impressive. <laughs> it confers no mechanical advantage, but looks cool. <laughs> Tilly, and um, if you know anything about me, I usually change my appearance every three to five business days. So I, it, it is true, it is true. This shaved head, um, not a not a style moment. It was a I accidentally murdered my hair moment, but it's fine because we bleached it again. Um, uh, but I would definitely love to have the masquerade tattoo because. I just think it's really cool. What, what does it do to it? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> so it basically, it gives the user the opportunity to disguise self once per day. So in my real life, honestly, if I go to a different occasion, like what I'm wearing now is very different to what I spent my day in. So, you know, very much disguising myself by literally doing what I already do, but in a more magical and fun way. Woo! <laughs> Let's go to the Ben side of the room. The Ben side of the room. Hi, I'm Ben. Um, and I talked a lot about the various Dungeons and Dragons magical items, but I decided that none of them are as useful as the humble 10-foot pole. The 10-foot pole has so many uses in real life. If, for example, that you are sitting in your lounge uh, and you can't find your remote, uh, you take the 10-foot pole... Uh, to where maybe the remote's lying on the floor and kind of shuffle it over. Estimating distances, if you've got a 10-foot pole, you need to know how long a metre is. It's exactly 32.808399% of the way along your 10-foot pole. Um, often, Brendan, we find ourselves when we are you know, going to work or just about our ordinary lives, we may be impeded by a small stream or a rivulet <laughs> with a width of less than 10 feet. <laughs> With, if a 10-foot pole, you could put over and, and, and you know, sort of make a balance beam and, and cross the river. Slightly easier physical feat, maybe, than jumping 10 feet. Uh, and I so, expected you to pole vault. Yeah, no, no, no. You put it down like a very thin bridge. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so convenient as well. You can take it on the bus, your, your bicycle. Take it on the bus. What, what, what wouldn't you touch with this 10-foot pole? No, I wouldn't touch. I wouldn't, uh, I'd touch anything with a 10-foot pole. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So the 10 foot pole, yes, I'm, I'm very proud of it. All right, thank you, Ben Allen. Uh, kia ora, I am also Ben, coincidentally. Uh, and my item I would pick is uh, the alchemy jug. Yeah, you're all impressed. Uh, it's, it's a jug, uh, you, you, it's got a cork on it, so you can't see what's in it, but you, um, you, you move it around, you hear a sloshing sound inside. And before you pour it, you say the name of a liquid, any liquid that you want, and that'll come out 
of the jug, you know, like tea, milk, honey, beer, cum, anything. <laughs> pour it out. I don't know, you might want to. <laughs> Wait, so you're trying to get pregnant and you're... No, you know, there are children in the Oh, sorry. <laughs> Ask your mum. <laughs> that means, uh, you know, anything, anything you feel like. Uh, Drinking. Pouring, <laughs> pouring Thank out you, the jug. Thank you, Traditionally, in nerd degree, we divide uh, nerds into two teams to compete against each other. But in the spirit of D and D, tonight you will be combined into one party, and we should never split the parties. Um, I am ably assisted by Karen. Uh, Karen, you are functionally the scorekeeper, mm-hmm. but tonight you're also, I guess, the dungeon master of uh, tonight's show. Um, oh, do you have a magical item that you I do, uh, yes. Um, I would really love the wand of amplification, which makes your voice louder, uh, because I spent a lot of time this morning shouting at transphobes, mm. and now my throat hurts. Mm. So I think that could have come in very handy. All right, excellent. Uh, Karen Healy. <laughs> Our first round is the nerd quotient round. I will ask you questions. And you will answer those questions. Now, this admittedly describes most of the rounds on the show, but this one is especially so. Your first question. A cleric, a magic user, and a fighting man walk into a tavern. Where are we? The Jack. beginning of literally every campaign. Very <laughs> <laughs> close. Yes, can you be more specific of where you would see a cleric, a magic user, and a fighting man? First edition? That's absolutely right. So the very first very first like boxed special box set of Dungeons and Dragons the three classes you could yeah. play were cleric magic user and fighting man fighting man, fighting man. <laughs> and then they were like yeah. we need something snappier for this <laughs> what can we come up with and then uh, just went straight to the ER yeah they were fighting the man to fighter fighter yeah. Dungeons and Dragons uh, of course uh, it's the fantasy role playing game that was originally created by uh, Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson uh, Gary Gygax sounding like a creature that you might encounter in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, it was based on a medieval-themed war game called Chainmail. I, I, I selected you all because you I know you've all played Dungeons and Dragons before. Could anyone tell me, like, what was your first encounter with Dungeons and Dragons? I think, like most people, um, I was taught how to play Dungeons and Dragons by um, free-diving world record holder William Trowbridge. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, yeah. Wow. Yeah, we went to intermediate together. <laughs> oh, I could have just came around to your house. Um, James, when did you first play D and uh, I first played D and D in fourth edition. New Zealand-renowned stand-up comic Chris Matheson asked me over to uh, play D and D, and I said, "Okay." And I made a character called Magic Neil. <laughs> And, and, he and he was a fighting man. And he was a fighting man, yes. So first name Magic? First name's name. Magic, yeah. Second name's Neil. Nice. Yeah. No more questions? Yeah. Uh, Tilly, what celebrity taught you how to play? Well, I guess myself. I, mm. That sounds very vain, but um, it's true. Um, <laughs> I was hanging out with some of my mates, and then they were like, oh, Tilly, you do acting. And you're a bit of a nerd. You'll love this game. And I was like, you had me at acting. 
Actually, they probably had me at my name, to be honest. Um, so I went and I had no idea what I'm doing. Still don't. That was maybe six months ago. So I'm a bit new. So yeah. <laughs> be gentle. <laughs> All right. Thank you, um, Ben? Uh, well, I date back a long time. Um, uh, so I'm here with D&D. So D&D, it was early, like, first time when, like, it was at its height when I went to intermediate school, which was in 19... <laughs> and, uh, Even it, just saying 19 is a giveaway. It was, yeah, yeah. It was the 80s. And, um, and, and I, I feel like before I even played it, I had conned my parents into buying, like, the source book, the famous one with the kind of perspective shot of the fighter fighting the red dragon on the front and feel like I just read all the rules without ever really playing it for quite a long time but then yeah I think I did have some similarly nerdy friends we go into it a little bit at intermediate school and then because we were cool we were like now let's play uh, Middle Earth role playing uh, which we call Merp (laughs) 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 but we we quickly got rid of that thanks Ben Ben my first memory with Dungeons and Dragons uh, was from high school, where I would go to the library during lunch because I'm very cool. And uh, I remember watching the other like nerds play D and D at a table, and I asked like, "Hey, can I join in?" And they were like, "No." Hang on, you were not cool I wasn't enough, cool enough <laughs> to play D and D with nerds. Um, so yeah, I started with first edition. I mean, no, sorry, 5th edition. There's very different things, in a way. It was the F that got me, anyway. It started off with just those three classes. Um, then they expanded out to cleric, fighter, magic user, and thief. Does anyone know what the next three classes they added were? Monk, druid, and I want to say... Arborist. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, in the, in the When they reprinted the, the basic set, they had cleric, fighter, magic user, thief, and the other three classes were dwarf, elf, and halfling. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, it sounds like a misprint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. That's Actually, right. Uh, yeah. Ben, you yeah. played a you played a dwarf. What were you supposed yes. to do? Yes, you? it's mostly just an excuse to do a terrible Scottish accent. <laughs> we know. Um, which brings us to <laughs> why are dwarves Scottish? Does it tie into? Is it? Does it come out of? Uh, well, I know. I know because I've been. I've been Scottish a long time for uh, in Warhammer, and that was, but came out of England. But maybe it was even before that. Somehow became, was from Tolkien. Or Tolkien kind of invented dwarves, the, the he, classic he, dwarves. He did. He did invent like the, the yeah, kind of dwarves that we think the of. The dwarf fantasy. stereotype. Yeah, but he didn't specify the accent yeah. in the book. No. <laughs> well, did he? He, no? he kind of did because. Tolkien was a professor of languages. He created these languages, and so the influences that he took for his languages give us a good idea of what accent he imagined they might have. So what accent do you think Tolkien might have been thinking they would have? What is Scottish? Uh, no. South African. <laughs> <laughs> he based the Dwarven language on more ex- Arabic and <laughs> Hebrew. So if you think about words like Khazadum, um, so they probably yeah. would have had a Yiddish accent. <laughs> um, that, of course, puts Tolkien in the pantheon of fantasy writers who create a fantasy race who love gold and think to themselves, you know, <laughs> I, know I think I'll draw on some Jewish stereotypes. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. 
Can I tell a funny, funny story about dwarves in Scottish accents? Please. No. Uh, when I was still living in Auckland, I got an audition for a, sh- for a show which was dubbed Untitled Amazon Project. Oh, I, <laughs> yep. getting all the, yeah, It was Lord of the Rings, um, <laughs> the uh, Rings of Power. And it was like, cool, here's your scripts. Learn the lines, cool. Uh, and also, can you bring a Scottish accent? I was like, yeah, sweet. Okay, weird. Um, <laughs> and then I went and I did it. And he's like, cool. So these people are like, they're really down to earth. And they're really stoic. Like, yeah, cool, got it. Did it again. He's like, cool. And I was walking home from the audition and stopped and went, they were dwarves. <laughs> <laughs> I was a dwarf. Because they weren't allowed to tell you what race you were auditioning for. You just had to go and do, do a Scottish accent. But it, it didn't dawn on me until like <laughs> half an hour after I'd done it. <laughs> Yeah. I also have a story about Untitled Amazon Project. Um, so one of my mates sent me the link and um, they went, they're looking for really weird people. You'd be perfect. <laughs> Did you audition? No. <laughs> you wouldn't be perfect. I know. Do you know what show it is now? Yeah. Rings of Power. James, you actually hit on something there when you described the dwarfish personality this idea of being earthy, down-to-earth, hard-drinking. Um, <laughs> people uh, associate those qualities also with the Scottish. Uh, and so it's it's thought that that's the reason why dwarves started being uh, presented with Scottish accents, is uh, moving from one racial stereotype to a, a different stereotype. So naturally they cast John Rhys-Davies, who was from Wales. Yes. To, <laughs> yeah, to do his best Scottish yeah, accent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's... What accent are elves supposed to have? Like yeah. upper class English people. If we're going on stereotypes. That's that's how they're presented or, in the movies. Or yeah. Scandinavian. Yes, points for that. The um, pirate. Scandinavian. Pirate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the elvish languages were based on Welsh and Finnish. Mm. So uh, Scandinavian or Welsh accents uh, were probably... <laughs> <laughs> Legolas came to the top of the uh, wall. This be going, the, the, the orcs are coming. <laughs> <laughs> Oh taking the hobbits yeah. to the forces of Sauron are on the move Welshness please don't write it to us um, um, what about trolls uh, in Tolkien uh, what accent do trolls have American <laughs> not American oh, Cockney it's Cockney Co- isn't it yeah so yeah. the the three trolls in the hobbit That's right. were named Bert William and Tom um <laughs> He wrote specifically with Cockney accents, um, <laughs> including say, saying things like, blimey. Um, so, yeah, this was, that was one of the rare times we wrote specifically the accent uh, into the story. Oh, question about hobbits. In Dungeons and Dragons, what are, what are they called? Halflings. Halflings, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Too much respect for the rules. It's going to take your chance. What, what's noticeable word. about a halfling's feet? Hairy. No. No. That was what Specifically I not hairy. Um, halflings are legally not allowed to have hairy feet. Ah, <laughs> oh, because it would be too similar. Yeah, so uh, that, that's exactly right. They had to change the name Hobbit to Halfling in D&D, and oh. they had to change the feet from hairy to smooth. Because they're pretty, <laughs> they're pretty no, much Hobbits. Well, no. They're just Hobbits in every respect, just about, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. So uh, just... Um, Okay, uh, next question Uh, Why does some chick Not want you to play D&D 
And how did this launch Tom Hanks' career? Is it because does it have something to do? Is, is something to do with um, uh, the Satanic Panic, like Dungeons and Dragons, mm-hmm. yes. Very nice. uh, being associated with Satanism? And uh, I believe Tom Hanks was in a film called something in Mazes and Monsters or something like that, where he got lured into a, a Dungeons and Dragons esque game, and then was like went all cuckoo nanas. Mm-hmm. Great work, James. Yeah. Um, so in 1979, a 16 year old disappeared, and um, the private investigator who was sent to find him found out that this young man played Dungeons and Dragons, and so then blamed everything that happened to this depressed young man um, on Dungeons and Dragons, um, which sparked off the satanic panic. I personally wasn't allowed to play Dungeons and Dragons when I was young um, because. I was reliably informed that playing Dungeons and Dragons led directly to Satan worship. Mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah, as, as you say, there was a movie made around a, a fictionalized version of this story called Mazes and Monsters, uh, which was the first starring role for Tom Hanks. <laughs> if you look it's at a the hang of posters, yeah, this is a good example of how anytime you try to make a movie about how bad something is. You can't help but make it seem awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just look at that movie poster, and I really love that they put like it's one of those ones where they put the director's name on it, like it's a bit like it's called Rona Jeffs, Mazes and Monsters. Like we know who Rona Jeff is. <laughs> yeah. like, thank God, another Rona Jeff joint. Well, yeah. look out! Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll line up for that. It's like at the start of um, uh, Watch Me Whip, Watch Me Nay Nay, where the guy goes, "You already know who it is." <laughs> No one knows who that is. I don't know. It. The perfect analogy. Did Rona Jeff direct that music? <laughs> yeah, <band>? Rona <laughs> Jeff wrote Watch Me Whip, Watch Me Nay Nay. <laughs> he or she has had a very career. This person, it's quite fascinating because maybe in their own head, they really do think everybody knows him. Okay, I'm going to look up who Rona is. Yes, uh, author of popular... Oh, oh, I think she wrote the novel that it was based on. Oh. Yeah. Good synchronised... Oh, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Mazes and Monsters. Monsters. Mr. Wright is dead. Written in 1981. The Road Taken. <laughs> <laughs> Great title. Okay. Um, there's one more part of, uh, of this round. Uh, this, this section, within the section, is called Do They D&D? <laughs> I'm going to name a famous person. You are going to tell me if they play D&D or not, based on whether me Googling them and (laughs) D&D comes up with a result. If they they secretly play it and don't tell anyone, then I I don't know. All right. Vin Diesel. Yes, famously so. Famously so. Famously so. And he roped in... Judy Dench to his yes, game. He, he wrote yeah. Judy Dench into his D and D game. He's yeah. also responsible uh, indirectly for the creation of the unofficial Blood Hunter class. Oh, is this? Uh, yeah. Oh, did he make it was that created film? by Matthew Mercer for Vin Diesel for a stream that they did. It, most people think it was created for Talison Jaffe for Critical Role. But yes, it was actually created for Vin Diesel <laughs> because he was promoting um, a movie at the time. About which hundreds Being, or I'm, I'm concerned that it. you may be too nerdy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's why they didn't want you to play. Are you, channel, are you channeling the spirit <laughs> of Jeff good. Clark right now? Is um, that what's happening? Okay, next one. Yeah. Judy Dench. 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brendan. Famously roped into Vin Diesel. She apparently now dungeon masters for her grandchildren. Oh my god! I'm gonna give Judy Dench some points. Yes. That's yeah. fucking great. Send them in the mail. Um, Keanu Reeves. No, I think the answer is no. But He's I would busy. love that riding a motorbike. The answer is no. no. I would say there are a lot of characters based on John Wick, though. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so if I Google Counter Reeves D&D, I get all of the characters that people have made based on him. Right. Uh, Steven Spielberg. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Prince William. No. No. He's got servants for that kind of thing. <laughs> He's more of a Pathfinder guy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why that's a burn. He <laughs> um, can't relate to quest lines in which they have to go and defeat the evil prince. <laughs> uh, the Rock. Oh, yes. Correct. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Uh, the rivalry between Vin Diesel and The Rock. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if it stems back Spilled to the over it to D&D. Amazing. Um, comes from? Aubrey Plaza. Oh, I want to say yes. Yeah, she seems like she she's would. She seems like cool. she would. But maybe I'm just being stereotypical. Maybe I'm just like... Give me an answer. No. The answer is yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> Please, yes. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No. Um, but you see that people can still be secretly doing it, and that's in my head, Kenny. Yes, yes. We're just like still sitting in this. Yep. <laughs> I am once again asking you to roll it. To roll it. <laughs> um, Michael Gove. Don't know Tory, who that is. Tory no. politician. Tory politician. No. Oh, then no. Yeah, but, no, but he's a massive nerd. Yes. It's a yes, I'm afraid. Yeah. Oh. Um, okay, let's have a, a couple more. Professional wrestler, The Big Show. <laughs> yes, buddy, only DMs. And he puts on a big show. Uh, <laughs> it is a yes. Yeah. I, I don't know the specifics. <laughs> um, uh, oh, um, Green Party leader, James Shaw. Yes. It's very much a yes. Very much a yes. Very, Tell us he's, more. He's real into it. Oh, yeah. he's real into it. Um, he's ben Affleck. Ben, what do you think? Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. Ben's, we should know this. Ben's. We should know this. <laughs> the side of Ben's. We should, we should know everything about the Ben's. Yeah. Let us communicate with him right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think... Um, no. No, no. I think you no. It's a, a yes. Ben Affleck oh. and Matt Damon used to play D&D together. Oh. Oh, that's cute. Yep. That is cute. All right, that brings us to the end of Do They Dendy? A round of applause for all our players. <laughs> Karen, over to you for an update on the quest. Okay, well, let's see. Um, ben A, surprisingly, is rolling low tonight with four mm. points. Uh, Tilly's got five Ben K has six and James has been um, taking some big risks and getting some big wins with a dirty 20 James I'm going to need you to roll this (laughs) down yeah I can do that four I am awarding you the ring of bureaucratic wizardry (gasps) oh my god 
When a wizard casts any spell while wearing the ring, a sheaf of papers and a quill pen suddenly appear in their hand. Uh-huh. The papers are forms that must be filled out in triplicate, explaining the effects of the spell, why the wizard wishes to cast it, whether it is for business or pleasure, and so on. Perfect. The forms must be filled out before the effects of the spell will occur. The higher the level of the spell cast, the more complicated the forms become. <laughs> Filling out the forms requires one round per level of spell. Perfect. Enjoy. Yeah, super useful. It's <laughs> great. Thank you. That sounds like an Acquisitions Incorporated yeah. uh, item. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, I have sent all of our players some homework. Now that uh, Wizards of the Coast have um, allowed, uh, us. allowed us to uh, make material for their game again, <laughs> um, I've asked you all to create either a, a scenario or a creature to add to the canon of D&D. I'll go first. Create yeah. a final boss scenario. You push open the non-oaken glass doors, entering some sort of stateroom, perhaps 50 feet long and bathed in a sickly, unnatural and slightly greenish light that emanates from a series of glowing tubes attached to the ceiling, one of which is flickering ominously. A long, non-oaken table stretches the length of the room and appears to be hewn from a single, massive block of formica. (laughs) Seated around the table are an array of miserable-looking townsfolk. Among them you recognise Dave, with whom you have had several previous encounters at the tavern, and Steph, who you have also run into several times at the tavern, as well as Brenda, who famously went a bit crazy that one time at karaoke after the tavern. (laughs) Each looks uneasily around the room, refusing to make eye contact with the other, doomed souls at the table, and several roll nervously back and forth, for now that you look more closely, you can see that each of the non-oaken chairs in which they sit has a series of small wheels affixed to its bottom although the purpose of these cannot yet be determined. <laughs> As you step forward towards a waiting empty chair at the end of the table nearest the door, pleading eyes turn to you and you notice several of the townsfolk look desperately towards the exit, seeking an escape. But none of them seem to be able to stand and leave, each of them held in some kind of terrible thrall by the intimidating figure seated at the far end of the massive table, his presence projecting throughout the room both the unmistakable air of tyranny and the miasmic waft of Lynx Africa. <laughs> You regard the figure, his expression is oaken. (laughs) He is garbed in a charcoal grey, his fine clothes in contrast to the shabby townsfolk around him. Dave, for example, appears to be wearing the same jerkin he had on yesterday. Around the figure's neck hangs his symbol of office, which depicts a cartoon owlbear with a speech bubble coming out of its mouth that reads, working hard or hardly working. Which is because, as you know, since that terrible day last winter on which the figure came to power... The week of each waxing moon has been proclaimed as the one that will end in the horrific ritual of Fun Friday. You catch Steph staring vacantly at the cartoon owlbear with a stupefied smile on her face and realise with a start that proximity to the terrible power of the amulet has driven her to madness. There is a long moment of silence. We've been expecting you, he finally intones. I trust you received my missive. Before you can answer... Your travelling companion, Jerry, the assassin you befriended in the HR department, pipes up. We did, he stammers. Sorry, we would have been here earlier, but for some weird reason it went straight into our junk folder, he improvises. (laughs) The figure regards Jerry suspiciously for a few seconds, then seems to reach a decision. Very well, he says. Now you're here. We can finally begin. He looks around the room, an evil smile slowly creeping over his face as he draws power from the nervous energy that has suddenly built up throughout the room 
in anticipation of his next words. And finally, they come. Now I know it's nearly five, he begins, speaking the forbidden words. <laughs> but we've got a very big week coming up, and I just wanted to get everyone together and go over some of the numbers and bounce some ideas around before we get into it. You immediately take 46 psychic damage. <laughs> you stagger under the brunt of the assault and turn to Jerry for assistance, but to your horror, you see he lies dead on the ground, having plunged one of his own daggers into each of his eyes. You pull yourself back up the floor at the end of the table. You see the figure, exultant now in his full power, utterly indifferent to the clear suffering of the townsfolk around him. Surely it is time to roll for initiative. But as you look around the room at the broken, vacant stares of the townsfolk and the chillingly impassive look on the face of their tormentor, you realise, aghast, that nobody has any. Ben Allen! Thank you, Ben. That was extremely powerful and extremely over the two-minute time limit. <laughs> <laughs> Tilly. Well, so I may be copyrighted, but that's okay, because I wanted to call this a hellish hound. Probably already have hellhounds, but you know what? So do I. So I wanted to talk about... Did we get the photo? Uh, yes. Can we, uh... Can we have a photo of my hell, my hellhound? So, um, I know, terrifying. Mm. So I very much think of a monster. Huge, terrifying. You can see the fear just radiate off of her. It's a creature with eyes that bulge out of its head. Black eyes that you just fall into. It's a trap. <laughs> Don't fall for it. Rancid breath with teeth missing because of a life well lived. Huge paws with Grinch feet-esque vibes protruding off the front of them. Your mission is to get beneath the fur of the paw to remove the claw of death. Not an easy feat. The hellish hound may have few teeth, but the teeth she has will be the last thing that you will feel. You hold a makeshift guillotine ready to remove the claw. And it is not enough. For even though it is terrifying, it is nimble. You hear a yelp, a scream. Was it you or was it the dog? Who knows? Tell him all Karen, I'd like you to take both of that into account and yep. um, assign a point value to that. Well, obviously, puppy. Mm. Um, can't compete with that. Hell of work meeting. Tilly, I would like you to roll the... One. No, that's fine. You get the ring of contrariness. Whenever you wear it, you're forced to disagree with anything anyone says. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't. don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> Our next round is the Dungeons round. I want Ooh. you to imagine you've been transported to... Too excited. Yes. Yeah, too excited. <laughs> <laughs> you've been transported to medieval times. There you are in a dungeon. A torturer approaches you and offers you a choice. James, mm -hmm. since you're so excited, you go first. Yes. You can choose between two torture devices. Okay. <laughs> choose between the brazen bull or the Duke of Exeter's daughter. <laughs> the, the Duke of Exeter's daughter. daughter. Correct. Which do you choose? Gone with the Duke. Can't go wrong with the Duke. 
the Duke of Exeter's daughter is the nickname for the rack yeah. in the Tower of London. Hot. <laughs> uh, which you will be tortured on. The brazen bull uh, is uh, a. Oh god! <laughs> what the? Uh, so the 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 person is put inside this metal ball, and then a fire is lit under it. However, that would be the preferable choice because the brazen ball never existed. I mean, you can tell because there's no hinges there, and clearly <laughs> yeah. much bigger yeah. than the mouth. You had to get them in here. In there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just uh, a well, giant, but, giant well, crockpot. But also, why is, why is the torturer offering it as one of the choices? <laughs> <laughs> they would have had Does to he then go like, psych! That, that, that one doesn't exist! Exactly. Oh, okay. For it to exist, they would have had to like build it around him. So it would have been there. <laughs> <laughs> Stand by. Yeah. Just wait. <laughs> I believe that there, in, the, in the designs, there is like a... There's a, a, there's a latch. Yeah. So you could theoretically just open the door and leave yeah that's the thing about torture devices <laughs> they're like yes but if you want to just, yeah. just head out it's more of an option Tilly the iron chair or the iron maiden iron chair why Why do you want the iron chair iron maiden I feel like Margaret Thatcher was described as that and I just don't vibe with her <laughs> the iron chair sounds a bit like the iron throne and yeah and you know i've been really into house of the dragon at the moment so i think i'm gonna go with the iron chair you know it could be like a cute little like uh, like electric chair moment but let's have a look cute <laughs> yeah. uh, so the iron maiden is uh this thing uh closes in on you and it's got spikes on the inside the iron chair has spikes all over it and also they light a fire underneath it. Oh, what? Um, however, the Iron Maiden uh, again does not exist. But there's one right there's there. There's a photo. Yes. <laughs> so remember, I said you're in the medieval times. Oh. Uh, the Iron Maiden was invented in the 1800s oh. uh, as a kind of like fan fiction of um, medieval oh. torture. Oh. Um, was it invented by the French? It looks uh, French. <laughs> uh, I don't have an answer I for that like one. I feel like it would be English. Yeah. Sure. It um, feels like with that one, you could just crouch. There's the the spikes are only. I'm sorry for people on the podcast, but for the picture, the spikes are only at the top bit. <laughs> Meaning, you just, you know, just the doors on you, you can just duck down. Just, you're just really good at thinking of ways you could escape things. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like well, relationships. No, no dungeon will ever hold me. <laughs> <laughs> and would it be like the bed of nails? You know, when you lie on a bed of nails, it doesn't hurt. Oh, so I think it would actually be really nice. Yeah. 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 Like a shark yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Oh, like oh, You've really turned me around on this. Yeah. It's an early prototype of those chairs you see. And like a sea warmer too, because you know they're like. It on fire, get a nice warm bum. Sounds like a nice time. Okay. Yeah. I choose the iron chair as well. <laughs> Maybe we as humans just decided that these were torture devices, but in actual fact, they were <laughs> massage, massage devices. Yeah. Ben Allen. Yes. You can choose between the pear of anguish or the Spanish boot. Pear, P E A R. Before I decide, actually, Brenda, let me ask though, when the torturer approaches me and asks for my choice, is this more of like a conversation between work colleagues or is it, <laughs> is it like I'm going to, you, you're going you're gonna to go into one or the other? He's, he's one of those torturers who's got like a sense of fairness. Okay. Like he wants to give everyone a chance. So the Spanish boot or the 
the pair of anguish. The pair of anguish. Pair of anguish doesn't sound good. The boot, the, the Spanish boot can only do something to your foot. Right. <laughs> so let's go for the Spanish boot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see the. So you have. Oh, what is. Again, unerringly <laughs> chosen the actual torture device. Uh, so the, the pair of anguish was uh, designed to be inserted into any orifice um, and then uh, progressively widened. Oh my god. But again, it did not exist. Oh. Um, Why are people making these things up? <laughs> the Victorians. This is being yeah, weird. The, the, yeah, the Victorians were like, oh, those, those sick freaks of the Middle Ages, they probably, they probably had things like this. Um, <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. And so we'll just make it now. But, so but it's definitely, not, it's definitely not us. It's not, we're not the freaks. It's like um, medieval fan fiction. Uh, but the Spanish boot would, yeah, it would like cr- progressively like a vice on your legs. Oh, shit. That guy doesn't even have anything on, on his feet at all. It's not a boot. It's like it's a, a sock. sock. How are you, you getting out of that More one, man? a bit of Spanish <laughs> um, Probably with a knife. I say it looks like it's a rope, yeah, right? Probably, you if, cut. if you ask for one, they'd probably give you a yeah, knife. Yeah, you got, they, got a, they want to torture you, right? So they've got to feed you at some point, right? And you say, oh, this is too tough. I can't. Can someone give me a sharper knife, please? <laughs> you're cutting the fruit up. <laughs> That's for the people on the podcast. <laughs> and my steak is like medium rare, and I ordered, I ordered a medium uh, well. It's torture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, ben Kent. Hello. Your choice is between the scold's bridle mm-hmm. or the Spanish tickler. <laughs> See, the rule of thumb, I think, that's been going through this whole thing, is that the weirdest sounding one is the actual one. So I feel like, for me, the weirdest sounding one is Spanish tickler. So I'm going to go for the other one. Okay. Yeah. You have again chosen the real one. <laughs> oh, oh. Um, so the Scold's Bridal, horrible, um, was fastened around the head and there was a bit that went in your mouth and there was like uh, spikes uh, so that you couldn't talk. The Spanish tickler was basically a rake. Um, <laughs> but again, was not used as a torture device. It was used as a rake. A rake. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they were, they were like they found these rakes and were like the, mm, probably right. probably <laughs> a torture device. <laughs> um, but not us. We're the, we're the normal ones. Yeah, but we're the normal ones. <laughs> but these sick freaks probably used it. Anyway, <laughs> that brings us to the end of the dungeon round. Yeah. You have all been thoroughly tortured. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if that's changed the scores at all, Karen. Not, not at all, no. Then I let, mean, I did give people scores for their homework round, but I think we'll wait on that. Okay, let's move on to the next round, which is, here, be dragons. <laughs> um, here, be dragons. <laughs> uh, can I have the next picture up, please? Now, uh, the first question is very simple. Uh, which one of these is a dragon? I'm going to say it is number six. Number six is correct. Yes. yes. Uh, that is a dragon. Can anyone identify any of these other creatures? Is that a basilisk? Uh, it is not a basilisk. Uh, so uh, these creatures are kind of categorised by number of legs and number of wings. Oh, yeah. So the one with no is the one with no legs a wyvern? Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry. Two legs, two wings is a wyvern. Okay. No legs and wings is an amphitheer. Oh, yeah. Uh, two legs and no wings is a lindworm. No wings and no legs is a worm. 
Just a worm. W Y. Not very dangerous. With a Y, it's just a worm. There it is. It's on the ground. It's coming towards you. And four legs and no wings is a drake. I feel like the one number one. I feel like that's not real. Like that's not. Shut up. I know the world on the maps, but I feel like in D and D, that's not an actual creature. I don't know if which ones of these are in D and D. Dragons obviously are. But is it with, the, with all of these as well? Now that they have, is there, is there like a liger situation where if you have a lindworm mates with it and you get something with one wing and three legs, <laughs> does it have a name? It's, I think it's open to you. Okay. Yeah, but you right. open your breeding program. Okay. Also, that doesn't look like any worm I've ever seen. Yeah. Fake. <laughs> yeah, none of this is real, eh? <laughs> this is all made up stuff. This is all nonsense. Okay, all nonsense. okay. Well, if that's the case, <laughs> then let's move on to this, uh, um, this this next part of the round where you have to identify famous fictional dragons, okay. as opposed to the real ones. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, in the first part of this round, I'm going to list off uh, names of dragons. Ring in if you can tell me what fiction they are from. Okay, first one. Meat Lug, Cloud Jumper, Light Fury, Bath, Belch, Stormfly. Is it from How to Train Your Dragon? It is from How to Train oh, yeah. Your Dragon. Good one. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one. Furnin, Shruikan, Thorn, Gladrr. Belgaband, <laughs> Safira Bright Scales. Is that your fan fiction? <laughs> <laughs> I want to say Lord of the Rings, but Safira Bright Scales really made me think no. It's the kind of it's the kind of name that you think would be made up by like a sixteen year old. Yeah, exactly. Aragorn. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I was today years old when I discovered Aragorn was not the name of the dragon. Um, but, uh, uh, it's Christopher, is the name. That's Frankenstein's monster. Okay, this this one is um, especially for Karen. Hey, thank you. But you can't answer this one. No, I can't. Uh, okay. Answer any of them, Brendan. Gold Ramoth, Bronze Nemeth. Sorry, you say it. Min- okay. Bronze Menemeth. White Ruth. Um, that's all. That's all we got. Gold Ramoth. Oh, Brown Cants. It's not Pern. It is, is Pern. It? Dragon the, the Riders are Pern, Pern yes. the, and there are a thousand bucks. The tax accountants of Pern. The weird, <laughs> the, the Dolphin Riders of Pern. The Dolphin Riders dragon of Pern. Dragon Singer. It's it's um the it's Pern's Dragon's Pern. Skills. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, in this next part of the round, I will give you some kind of facts or details about a dragon. Ring in when you can name. Uh, this is who am I? So, uh, according to Forbes, I have uh, the uh, creature equal to sixty-two billion dollars. Is it smog? It is smog. <laughs> yes. Um, sixty-two billion dollars. Sixty-two billion dollars uh, is the value of his uh, treasure hoard. Yeah, but how much does he pay his workers? Is what I was. <laughs> Does he pay his taxes? That's not yeah. Is that, think about is that what one, Bilbo came to? Well, yeah, 1% of dragons hold 99% of them. But, you know, <laughs> and, you know, to be fair to Smog, his space program is very advanced. <laughs> okay, next dragon. 
I died of old age. I was called the Black Dread. I was a dragon of House Targaryen. I was written by King Aegon I during the conquest. It's not Viserys, is it? It's not Viserys. It's the dragon. Oh, whoops. Is anyone in the audience now? Valerian. 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 Yes. Valerian. Okay. Uh, next. Uh, I was a companion to Jackie Paper. I like to play along Cherry Lane. Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I have a graceful, elongated body, 43 feet long. My whole body is covered in albino light, downy, soft fur. Falcor! Correct. Falcor from the Neverending Story. My abilities include fire breath, a head-on charging attack, and a mid-air glide, uh, which can be used to scale large distances. Uh, my dragonfly Regular friend. dragon. <laughs> I have a dragonfly friend called Sparks. Spyro the dragon. Correct. Oh. <laughs> look at those graphics. Uh, you can tell he's got attitude. Oh, look at, look at his eyebrows. Like that. I don't give a care. <laughs> Uh, final one. I don't know exactly what this sentence means, but I was the monster car spirit of Kassara, although I only emerged while she was in an un- unconscious state. I have an attack value of 3,000 and a defense value of 2,000. Blue Eyes White Dragon. Oh. Blue Eyes White Dragon is correct. Yes. Um, apparently one sold for $15,000. <laughs> Crazy. Wow. Uh, that, that brings us to the end of the Kia the Dragons round. Um, <laughs> a round of applause for all our players. <laughs> Karen, where are we at with the scores? Well, nobody's hitting those 20s yet, but we've got Ben K on 8, Tilly on 11, <laughs> we've got James on 9, and Ben A, who knows a lot about dragons has also 11. So Tilly and Ben, which of you has the higher dexterity? <laughs> Tilly. I think it's Tilly. Yeah. Yeah. Tilly, would you roll on your uh, D8 there? Five. You get a bone seed. This is a tiny bone fragment, mm-hmm. but when you plant it in a field, it will turn into a giant tree made of bones. <laughs> it does nothing, but it looks totally badass. Yeah. Um, all of these, all of these items are, from are real. A, a yeah. list of the worst D and D items of all time. Um, <laughs> more like the best. <laughs> um, all right, that brings us to our second homework round. Um, ben Kent. Hello. Uh, I've asked you to create either a creature or an encounter yep. to be added to uh, the world of D and D. And what, what do you have for us? I have. Okay. All right. Picture this. Okay. Over time, right, as uh, the amount of ad- adventurers has increased due to, uh, you know, people getting more into D&D and uh, just more playable races being added into the game, right? So there's too much, too many, too many player characters, too many adventuring groups, all right? But the amount of trolls has stayed the same, right? And trolls, right, some of them, not all, some of them man bridges, and those trolls have riddles for those bridges. But there's too many adventurers coming through these bridges that they've got to uh, streamline this somehow because, you know, it's too much at once. And then, you know, you, someone sees the riddle and then you hear it, they overhear it. So my encounter, my encounter is this. You are travelling with your party down the road and you see a long line 
of people. And if you ask them what they're lining up for, um, well, the people at the back, they might just not know. Because sometimes people are compliant and they just line up <laughs> regardless. And you know, they might get defensive and then be like, you know, oh, do you not know? Mm. You know? <laughs> people are assholes sometimes. Uh, surprise, surprise. And you, as you, you figure out the line is for the trolls, you get to the front of the line, right? They ask you the riddle. And depending on whether or not you get the riddle correct or not, you go back behind the bridge to two other separate like little buildings they've set up. And there's two lines for if you've got it correct and if you've got it incorrect and you get a little form and you stamp like whether or not it's correct or incorrect. And if, it's in, if, it's, if you've got it correct, you get to just go home. And if you've got the riddle incorrect, then they stamp the form for like, okay, well, we're going to eat you. And <laughs> we're going to eat you in a certain amount of days because there's too many people so you have three to five business days to get ready this is like a census <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is it's just it's an allegory for life man <laughs> in this scenario no one gets across the bridge no one either go home, either go home. <laughs> well i assume that you're going across the bridge because you're going home oh, but <laughs> sorry if that was like a one-way bridge. <laughs> <laughs> one bridge well no there's another bridge because it's got to be another oh there's two, two bridges yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, man, yeah. you can't have like two, two lines <laughs> going different ways that's yeah. chaos so yeah you you choose which uh when what day you know if, you, if you're gonna be eaten you choose like oh they give you some choice, like, you know, you'd be like, oh, I don't want to be, I'm vegan, so I only want to be cooked with other vegans. Or I, or I, or I have, like, a nut allergy, you know? Like, I don't want to be, I don't want to go through that before yeah, I die. I don't want to have... If it was nuts, you might die. Yeah, exactly. So you have all that. And if, if you don't show up to the day you're supposed to be eaten, they send you a letter to say, <laughs> say like, uh, you didn't show up. It's like the and, Yeah, you, you didn't show up. You um, were... We're gonna we're gonna eat you, uh, or you can fight us. You can fight the trolls because that's how it would actually go down. Indeed, but if you spend more time, you have to fight more trolls, <laughs> right? So eventually, the amount of tr your troll debt increases, <laughs> and uh, they'll, they'll they'll come after you at some point. They'll get you, just like the census. <laughs> Big kid, everyone. <laughs> get to the front of that line and they're just going to be like now can you identify which of these is pictures of a car yeah. <laughs> yeah. are you a robot <laughs> James yes I've created a creature uh, and for a little uh, context my son Caspian started school uh, three years ago and one amazing offshoot is that uh, I now um, am approached by many many of his friend's parents, of whom I don't remember the names of. Um, so this creature is called the Swarm of the Unnamed Guardians. Uh, I'm a class of 10, hit points 27, speed 30 feet. They are a swarm, so the swarm can occupy another creature's space and vice versa, and the swarm can move through any opening large enough for a small humanoid. The swarm can't regain hit points or gain temporary hit points. Great. They have actions. First action is, looks like rain. <laughs> <laughs> One target in the swarm space makes a wisdom saving throw DC 12. On a failed save, the target takes two times D4 psychic damage as they're bombarded with inane small talk. 
the other action is they're actually quite advanced for their age. <laughs> One target in the swarm space makes a charisma saving throw DC 12. On a failed save, the target takes 2d6 psychic damage as they stare dumbfounded into the eyes of the swarm, literally trying to think of anything else other than how dreadfully awkward the current conversation is. They have a legendary action. I didn't see you at the fundraiser. (laughs) (laughs) If, if If a target is seen or heard, the swarm immediately uses its entire speed to occupy the target's space. If the swarm enters a target's space, they must immediately end their movement. The target may not exit the space until they successfully speak the name of one of the swarm's members. (laughs) If they get the name wrong, the target suffers 6d8 psychic shame damage. (laughs) If a target takes this damage, the swarm moves on to the closest enemy target. (laughs) There's only a couple more here, bear with me. This is laid out exactly like a D&D stat block, it's great. It is. We need uh, a little bit of a little bit of how do I escape the swarm? They have this ability. Oh, there's mine. (laughs) If the swarm sees or hears a child, their attention is drawn away from the target. The target may make a dex saving throw, DC 12, to duck out of the conversation. At the beginning of the swarm's next turn, they will attempt to see or hear the target. If the target is seen or heard, the swarm will attempt to use its entire speed to occupy the target's space. And then the last one is... It's, uh, it's got a reaction, which is called, Whoa, cool your jets, champ. If the swarm suffers any physical attack, the target is no longer welcome at the school. <laughs> they also spend the next three turns filing a police report. <laughs> um, so that's the swarm of the unnamed guardians. Karen. Well, here's the thing. I've never encountered bridge trolls, but I am a teacher. (laughs) So I strongly identify (laughs) with James's guardians. I don't know, we were versing each other in this. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just, you know, seeing how many hit points, you know, sort of building so, up damage against... It's how many GP you get at the end. Yeah. Especially. yeah. yeah. You, you know, like, obviously everyone's in the same party, but... Eight. Ooh, eight. Oh, I'm sorry, James. Oh, <laughs> Underneath your cloak of billowing, you will be wearing the robe of vermin. Oh. It's just a normal, comfy, cosy robe, mm-hmm. but any time you enter combat, thousands of unseen rats will start biting you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Maybe just it. don't put that on. <laughs> what am I going to wear today? Yeah. Well, it was a gift. Clothes. It was a gift. He has to wear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to Christmas with my family. <laughs> you better get put on the <laughs> red clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma got me the robe of yeah. vermin. Like, I can't not wear it. Except that when you go to a social occasions, like, oh, somebody else has got the robe of vermin on. Like, oh, God. So awkward. It's time for our final round. Ooh. In which you must face the final boss. And the final boss in this case is a four-year-old with a short attention span. (laughs) I have asked my daughter Jane to describe different monsters from the Dungeons & Dragons monster manual. We'll play her description and then play her description. If you 
Uh, once you've heard it, you can ring in and tell me what you think the monster is okay. she's describing. Um, <laughs> a boy with lots of eyes. Mm-hmm. And can you show us what face it's making? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, James. Uh, Beholder. Beholder is correct. Alright. That is what his face is making a bit. It's a ball with lots of eyes. It's very similar to what Jane was doing with her expression. That was a good description. Um, Alright, let's go to the next one. Um, A person just like a horse with horse bottoms. <laughs> Centaur. Centaur is correct. Yes. <laughs> Did she say horse buttons? Horse bottom. Horse bottom. Horse bottom. Horse like a horse. You just button on a horse. Right, <laughs> next, <laughs> next monster. What would be a good name for this one? Uh, a funny crab. With long eyes. A funny crab with long eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's a flump. <laughs> Very good, Ben. Yes, it is a flump. He does have they eyes. are friendly monsters. Oh. Yeah. One of the rules. Like the one friendly monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alright, let's see if the next one will play. I am born of feet and tail but no head or tummy. Is this a funny one? It is a funny one. What do you think this one does? I don't know. I think that's just a shadow. So a ball with feet and tail and no head and no tummy. And she also said, I think that's a shadow, was that right? Which is an actual It's not a it's not the creature actual like shadow. Yeah. yeah. No. Alright, anyone wanna take a guess? A lizard. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reasonable guess. Uh, it was in fact an intellect devourer. Obviously. Doi. It's a ball. Yeah, feet and tail. Feet. And no, I don't know about the tail, tail but uh, <laughs> it's got no head and no tummy. <laughs> Which does raise questions about its life cycle. I think. <laughs> it's an intellect devourer. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I think we've got two more. Um, Tell me about this one. I think that's a person just like a fish. What kind of face is he making? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Fish. That's a person that's dressed like a fish. Are they called like lacals? Or. uh... I think he's right, but I'm going to say mermaid. Mermaid. Just just for. Uh, so you, I mean, you, you're in the you're in the ballpark. Uh, she had the pose just right. It's a kua toa. Uh, oh, you can see. Kua toa. 
Just a fishy little guy. <laughs> Those of you who follow Dungeons and Comedians will know that this character has been the bane of our existence. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, uh, I think we've got one more. From a tongue. And it's also got teeth. And do you have a name for it? Um, a box of a tongue that's got teeth. Still a mimic. A box of a tongue that's got teeth. <laughs> yes, it is, a, it is a mimic. It is a mimic, yes. Um, it's very much a box with a tongue and teeth. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. I think round of applause for James. That brings us to the end of our final round. Karen, right. looking at the scores, okay, of course, um, you will need to decide whether uh, they, the dungeon wins or the heroes win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. uh, they've been working together all this time, striving, battling. All right, James, I'm going to need you to roll this d20. Sorry. You are rolling with a plus 16. Oh, plus 16. Wow. Okay, what's that? Okay. And you know what the DC is. Oh, six. So, plus. Average 20. What? The oh. DC was 20. Oh. You have delivered the final blow against the creature. Yes. And you'll have won. Yes. That brings us to the end of our adventure. Thank you so much for joining us. A couple of things coming up uh, next week at this exact time in this exact place, starting at 6pm, is the next episode of Dungeons and Comedians, um, which is a uh, comedians playing Dungeons and Dragons in front of an audience. Uh, James will be there. Uh, And uh, this time, one month from now, um, will be our next Nerd Degree episode, uh, which is going to be uh, a classic Nerd Degree Star Wars episode. Uh, the Star Wars episodes are pretty special in that um, the level of nerdery on display <laughs> is. Uh, you thought this was. You thought this was something. Uh, the the last time we played a Star Wars episode, um, the panelists were identifying quotes from the. Um, kind of emotional noise that came at the start of the line <laughs> because identi- identifying lines from words was too easy for me. <laughs> um, Let's do it. So, uh, if you like Star Wars, come along. If you don't like Star Wars, <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, thank you so much to Little Andromeda for hosting us. Uh, final round of applause for our amazing nerds! <laughs> James, Billy, Ben, Ben, Karen, I'm Brendan